0: Hey there, do you want to listen to your You're Going to Die the podcast episode a week before everybody else? Well, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash YG2D and become a patron now. You can listen to next week's episode with Dr. Lucy Kalanithi, the widow of Dr. Paul Kalanithi, author of the number one New York Times best-selling memoir, When Breath Becomes Air. You're Going to Die, the podcast, is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com. Hey, it's been a minute. Thank you for your patience while we just didn't worry about getting an episode out for a few weeks, but we're back on track Welcome to this episode of you're going to die the podcast with our first guest of 2024 And so, welcome, yes, welcome to an episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with our first guest of 2024. And that guest is John Craigie. Before I get into introducing him, I want to let you know about a new perk we're offering through Patreon. Our Patreon community has access to these episodes a week early. So if you want to become a patron for as little as $2 a month, you can actually get every episode we release, but a week before everybody else. And it's very simple. The link is in the show notes. You can contribute as little as $2 or as much as $5,000. Whatever you want, we just want you to know that perk is there. And when you listen to our episodes through Patreon, you don't have to listen to me badger you about how to support the podcast. We remove all that. You don't have to listen to any ads, any sponsorships, because you're clearly committed to what we're up to. You're supporting us by giving us your contribution every month. And so you're going to get the episode early without all that other stuff. Just the sweet listening pleasure of me, my voice, Nick Jana's music, and our guests and our conversation. And that's it. So go now to patreon.com and you can get ahead of the episodes coming. In fact, you'll get another episode today because we're releasing another episode today with this episode, but you can only get it on Patreon. So I think I've made that clear. Go check it out. Link in the show notes, patreon.com forward slash YG2D. Now, this episode's guest. I've been connected to them for a long while because of the music community that I'm connected to here in the Bay Area. And so it's really nice to have them on the show and actually meet them here. It's the first time we talked. We texted, we emailed, we kind of had some exchanges, sort of getting closer to each other in that way. But this, what you're about to listen to, is the first time we got to have a conversation. And I'm going to just declare that it's the beginning of a friendship. I won't say that we're friends yet, but I'll say it's the beginning of one, okay? Although it felt very friendly, and I felt very comfortable like a friend at the end of our conversation, and I hope you feel the same way listening to us talk. So, John Craigie, one thing to note is that he's got a new album out, out January 12th, 2024. So depending on when you're listening to this, if you're a patron through Patreon, you might have caught the episode immediately upon release. That means tomorrow John's album is coming out. If you're listening to this episode just through Apple Podcasts or Spotify the week of its release, then the album is out. Go get it now. It's Pagan Church, and it should be noted that the song we include at the end of this episode is the title track from that album. It's funny, when I asked John to give me his bio, he just wrote traveling songwriter slash storyteller based out of Portland, Oregon, which, you know, I want you to know. And I had to do some digging. So I pulled this beautiful prose from JohnCraggyMusic.com. Much like community, music nourishes us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It also invites us to come together under the same roof in a shared moment. In similar fashion, John Craigie rallies a closeness around music, anchored by his expressive and stirring songcraft, emotionally charged vocals, lively soundscapes, and uncontainable spirit. The Portland, Oregon-based singer, songwriter, and producer invites everyone into this kind of space on his new full-length album, Pagan Church. Following tens of millions of streams, sold-out shows everywhere, and praise from Rolling Stone and more, he continues to captivate, and that he does here. What I'll say, though, about our conversation, different from maybe everything else you can get of John Craigie everywhere else, is that we had a really intimate talk about something so precious and private you know in a way or has been Um, the kind of thing that I hope I get to have conversations uh, about with the guests we have on the show and I hope we we reliably offer that this window into John Craigie and his life that connects to his music but that might not be something you hear about on every other podcast you listen to when John Craigie's a guest and I I have to say, before this conversation starts, the last thing I want to say is how much it meant to receive this loss and share it with him here and hold it with him here, this loss of his life of just a couple of years ago. I hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with John Craigie.
1: Yeah, I feel good. You know, um, I'm not a huge holiday guy, not to sound like a... Scrooge or anything like that. I, I, the holidays are great, but I wouldn't call myself like, you know, I'm not like, uh, out singing carols, you know, and putting up lights, but
0: (laughs) you don't have any Christmas albums, Yeah. I don't have any Christmas
1: albums, but (laughs) the holidays are good. I, I, I tend to get a little, uh, I like to work. I like to play in, in tours. So Mm -hmm. I do notice that the holidays are, you know, they definitely sort of force me to, um, to stop to not be, it's not really the time to be touring. So it's nice to have a little time off and rest. So, so I feel, um, uh, rested resting at the moment. And that's Mm -hmm. nice. There's a little Mm -hmm. bit of travel that comes with holidays, but, um, I, I, yeah, I'm excited to get back at it in the new year, but also, uh, trying to really soak up this, uh, this time. And as you can see, or maybe it's a really sunny day here in Portland, which is uh, not always normal like, yeah, for the totally. December months. So um, I'm grateful for that. And it's been sunny. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, i just been kind of basking on the couch
0: today and uh, just trying to relax. Yeah, man. I feel like the like Hawaiian shirt is is a declaration of, exactly. of uh, contrast, yeah. <laughs> contrast to the, the nature of this time of year and feeling the light. I know I feel like it's been a stretch up there of a lot of rain and overcast, which is pretty normal for that area. But nice to know that there's some sunshine in <laughs> your room. Thank you. Yeah. Um, is, uh, speaking of light and dark, are these times too, like, is there anything that connects to not really feeling the holiday inclination? You know, is there like, is it, can it be a dark and heavy time for you at all? Do you relate to that during this time of year? I
1: don't know. You know, I was, I was trying to explain this to a friend recently about, there is some sadness that comes with, uh, with the holidays for me. And I, I don't know if it's maybe, um, maybe tapping into just, uh, the sort of forced idea of the holidays, right? Like it's this time of joy and family. And I just know a lot of people don't have that. Or a lot of people are struggling with that. Or a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And, um, it's weird. I remember like one, there was a years ago, I, for whatever reason, I was in Portland. Uh, I didn't go home to Los Angeles to see my family and wasn't any dramatic reason. I think it was just what needed to happen. And, I was fine with it, but I couldn't help but feel a little like on that day. It's like any other day, you know, but um, Mm. I couldn't help but feel like lonely or uh, I don't know. And I yeah. just I think of that as sort of I mean it's the same thing with Valentine's Day or any of those things where it's like mm-hmm. are are we punishing the people who don't have this or are we shaming? <laughs> yeah by them? having
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: But I don't know. I mean that 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 would go I don't wanna stop anyone's celebration
0: simply shame. Because. we're here we will release this on Christmas
1: yes yes yeah
0: <laughs> just shame shame all you Christmas celebrators <laughs> yeah um, yeah I get that are you gonna get to go to LA this yeah uh, yeah I'll head season. down and see yeah, my
1: cool. my mom and sisters it'll be great it's not very nice and yeah and um, grateful to have that
0: Yeah. Um, So John, I mean, like you, you should keep in mind the back pocket option um, to just be like, I'm going to pass on that question or I don't want to talk about it. But I just, for whatever reason with you today, I, I, I wanted to lean in maybe partly because your, your, your Google form uh, answers were humbly short. And so there's part of me that's like, what am I, what am I compelled to dig into uh, with John and not like, you know, uncover like the, the dirty news or anything, but you know, just like what's, what's there that fits in this conversation about mortality and loss and grief. And, and just, so just, just know that's kind of how I'm paying attention as we talk. And you can be like, I'm going to pass on that, you know, or, um, or let's just lean in and just see what's there. So just, just keep that in mind. Well first I'm like you got your sisters and your mom but you didn't mention your dad. Is your dad living somewhere else or is that, you know, uh, is he, there a reason why he's not in the list of people to visit? Yeah, my dad passed away uh, 2 years ago in 2021. Oh wow. Yeah, so he was Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: he was uh, I didn't know that. He was living uh with my mom in Los Angeles.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm so sorry. What's, uh, what's his name?
1: His name, uh, was, they called him Jack. We had the same name actually. Um, okay. But they, he was John also John Craigie, but I think mm. his whole life he went by Jack. I'm not, I'm not sure actually yeah. why, but
0: yeah. Um, can I, can we talk about that? Yeah, a of course. Of course. I mean, my first obvious question for me is I, I feel that sometimes with certain guests and maybe what for whatever reason, musicians. I talked to Dessa. I don't know if you know her, but yeah, um, not personally me. Yeah. But, uh, it was almost like by the time we ended the conversation, we suddenly got to the song that's specifically about these like significant familial losses and ancestry in her life. And she had to go and I'm like, I got five minutes. I'm just going to like dig in. And so I kind of feel, you know, compelled for obvious reasons to start here. When you fill out the Google form and one of the prompts says like talking about death and themes and mortality and grief. Um, is there a moment when you were doing that when you're like, he probably knows about my dad or I don't really want to talk about that. Or there's just part of you that's like, I just, you know, didn't even think about it, you know? Yeah. I figured it was like, that's the thing. This is the thing I <laughs> you figured yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would be, I guess it's the most significant uh, passing in my life, I suppose, you mm-hmm. know, um, Yeah, I've been lucky in that sense and that I haven't had to deal with, I mean, I'm 43, so I don't know what a normal 43 year old goes through as far as like, I mean, people have died in my life, of course, but, um, yeah, I suppose that's the most, uh, significant so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that just feels fresh. Uh, can I ask you, um, you know, what happened? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. talk a bit about that? Yeah, uh,
1: You know, I grew up in a, in a somewhat unique circumstances where I had an older father. So he had been married, uh, two times before my mother. Mm. So, and he was a bit older than my mom. So he was 50 when he had me. So, um, he died. Yeah. He had, uh, complications. He had lung cancer, but, um, it wasn't a that it, they were looking like it wasn't that big of a deal. He was 91 and, um, it just, uh, started to, uh, uh, cause other problems and things just kind of started to fall apart and, and, it, uh, happened pretty fast. Um, it was, there was, it was probably three or four months of kind of, you know, he struggled with things, but really it wasn't, it was just about, uh, about a week and a half of, of him, uh, going in for a surgery. And then it kind of started to go downhill. Oh yeah. Were you there? You know, I, um, I kept, uh, it was a weird time. This is March of 2021. So, yeah. uh, it was COVID. I had gone down there a couple times during the lockdown, but we had done like, um, distance hangs, you know? hmm uh, backyard hangs yeah he had lived through a lot of stuff so he didn't seem that concerned I don't know if you encountered that with sort of older people
2: yeah
0: you know <laughs> yeah
1: I used to joke like, that, whatever yeah it was like <laughs> me and my sisters would go there and my mom and my dad would sort of walk towards us for the hug and we'd be like no you know <laughs> yeah yeah um, my dad would the mask would sort of inevitably fall off or he would move it down <laughs> or whatever and yeah um you know, he was born in 1929, so I don't know. I don't think he... When was the Spanish flu? Or I yeah, use that I think term, before that. Yeah. Yeah, he had lived through stuff, I guess. You know, world yeah, wars yeah. and yeah. depressions. And mm-hmm. he didn't seem that concerned about it. And uh, anyway, but um, when all these things were happening, uh, I kept asking my mom and sister, should I come down? Should I come down? They kept saying, no, that's fine. And weirdly, I had my first ever performance in March of 2021 in Denver, they, um, this club was doing this, uh, uh, it was like a club that holds a thousand people called Cervantes. It's like a big, uh, venue. And they were doing these things where it was like distance shows. So I think they were okay. letting in yeah. like a hundred people mm-hmm. at tables, you know, and you didn't get up off your table. And anyway, I had like, uh, four shows, I think there, And anyway, um, yeah, I was, he went into the hospital for this procedure and then I I was worried and I kept asking, should I come? And they said, no, no, do your show. Anyway, the show's Mm -hmm. ended and I woke up, uh, kind of just by, I'm not an early riser, but like around 6am or 5am I woke Mm -hmm. up and looked at my phone and my sister had said, if you can get here. Now I wasn't planning on, I, I think I had some business in Colorado, maybe a recording or something. Anyway, I was able to get on a flight. It was pretty crazy. I was able to, Oh my gosh! Yeah, I got on a flight. Luckily it was Denver to LA, which is, there's a lot of flights. Yeah. It all happened really fast. I, I got on the first flight, landed in LAX, ran to the Uber, Ubered to the hospital, which wasn't too far from the airport. And I got there and he, he had been on, um, int, intubated and, um, unconscious for a few days at that point, you know, but,
3: mm.
1: but quote unquote alive. And, um, yeah. I got there and, uh, yeah, he was still alive, but, um, mm. I guess I knew that they had told me that it was not. So I, uh, I can't remember. It might've been just five minutes. It might've been one minute. It might've been 10 minutes. Mm. I can't remember, but, uh, he died pretty quickly after I got
0: there after you got there. Yeah.
1: And I'm, you know, I'm a mixture of logical and magical and
0: (laughs) I was going to ask. Yeah.
1: So what do you think? My mother, of course, being very sweet, you know, said things like he waited for you, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Um, it was, I'm glad I'm grateful for that. And I got to, uh, you know, hold him or touch him in those moments. And, uh, yeah, it was so sad. I mean, really when I think about it, I think um, what was the hardest for me was my mother's uh, pain, you know, and her, because I think um, growing up that way with a, with a father that much older, I I think I had somewhat anticipated that, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. But I don't know if my mother had, or I don't know if she had, He always, he'd have been, you know, he'd been healthy, you know, is what I mean to a certain Uh extent. So that really was breaking me, me, uh, in cause for whatever reason, it was just her and I in the room at that time. My sisters were outside or something. I can't remember. I just remember it was her and I. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, it was also very, uh, surreal, I guess. Um, totally. And I hadn't seen him in that state where my sisters had, so, um, the last time I'd seen him, he was in a normal state, I guess. And, um, yeah. but it was really hard to watch, uh, my mother kind of coming terms with that. And she's mm-hmm. Catholic and she's a tough, she's Sicilian Catholic. She's a tough woman, you know? Yeah. I probably hadn't seen her be that vulnerable before or since, mm. you know, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that's, uh,
0: is the gist of what happened here. Yeah, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. all that. Um, yeah, and and for us having never met before, just to like dig in, it means a lot to oh, just kind of go there. And and I know it's sort of weird, right? It's like a podcast recording it, but I do want you to know. Like, first of all, um, you know, sometimes I feel like it's important to acknowledge this this crime. <laughs> as, as actually a way that I'm okay. You know, I think in our culture, it's a little bit like, Oh, are you okay? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, because we're so not inclined, you know, towards, towards being this maybe emotionally expressive, at least that's like kind of how I grew up. And I almost wonder, like that's one of my questions is hearing you describe your mom a bit and the culture she comes from. I also think like with your, your dad too, right? That generation being someone who, uh, kind of, probably out all the things he'd lived through is maybe not a kind of person who was inclined towards showing emotion. I mean, what, is that how your dad was, uh, much? Did you have those kind of moments with him? Yeah. He was a funny combination. He was
1: military, uh, early on. He'd gone to West Point and been in Korea. So he had a toughness to him, you know, which, uh, I think I was raised with a lot of, I was also raised in at a time and in Los Angeles where, um, crying was definitely seen as like a weakness. I I don't think I got that so much from him as I did from the society. I played a lot of sports as a kid. I wasn't good at it. And I was an emotional kid. I was probably like a little more soft and I did cry a lot as a kid and got made fun of and got picked Mm -hmm. on for that. So that definitely got like, um, sort of learned out of me, not to say, but my father also was, um, a like sort of sweet and cheesy guy, you know? So I saw him for sure. Like he had that side to him too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't say that he, um, I think he probably would have gotten on my case as a little kid if I cried at Mm. maybe the wrong things. I don't know.
0: You know what I mean? Right. I mean, according to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think, um, he was, uh, yeah. A lot, a lot more, um, soft in a lot of ways than I would be. And I mean that in a nice way. Like he was more, uh, yeah, yeah, more cute and more, um, I, I can, yeah, he would cry at things. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to yeah. think like my
0: sister's wedding, he cried, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. I think about that age too, for him. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like there's probably ways in the last 30 years of his life, 40 years of his life yes. maybe where there's just like gonna be softening.
1: Yeah, you know? definitely. That's which I think if I were to ask my half brothers, you know, my dad's older kids, they probably saw a much tougher side of him. And I think you're right. Mm-hmm. As a person gets a lot older, then, yeah, they're going to feel a lot less
0: maybe tough or I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, You already explained that this is like happening in the heart of COVID. And so I'm, I'm kind of wondering in a way that connects to this uh, how much you got time to be with that community. It sounds like it was like kind of a big family connection, you know, and likely at his age, lots of community too, that cared a lot about him in the ways you've even described him. Now, I just have to bet that that's the case. Um, were you able to have a memorial, a funeral? How was that kind of part of the grieving process? And then additionally, personally, privately for you, um, I would love to just talk to you about it, as even, especially as a musician who has this like talent. Um, and I know this won't be fair to put it in these terms, but that there's a way you could use your music to kind of do some of your own healing, writing yeah. songs, processing through writing songs. Um, so the first question is um, in that is how, how was it with the communal and familial grieving and funeral memorial, all that during that time? Yeah. It's crazy to think how much changed, you know, after
1: March, I, I have a friend whose father passed away from COVID in like December, you know, a few months before. And she like had to, you know, it sounds so hard to say this. she had to like watch it happen through a zoom, you know, and she didn't get to, uh, there was, a, it was a, it was like black and white, you know, it was a totally different experience she had with March, you know, this, the vaccines had come out, you know, I, I right. And by the, so I, I think, we, um, we waited until summer, I guess, you know, we waited a few months. Mm-hmm. He was cremated. Um, we had, uh, yeah, we had a ceremony there in, um, Los Angeles. My mother's Catholic. So they did a Catholic mass funeral and then we were able to have like an outdoor reception, you know, yes, it was definitely like uh, lighter attended than probably would be. The mm-hmm. other funny thing about all of that, and I always, I joke about this, that like the younger you die, the cooler the funeral, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. like the more, more well attended. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's But the older you die, I mean, it's just like <laughs> how much he had lost, how many people
1: he yes, lost. You exactly. Know? Yeah. You know? And so it's a trade off. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Yeah. I think we were kind of looking at that, that when we were coming up with the invite list when you're 91. I mean, yeah, most of his friends had died or they were like not, um, in a position to be traveling to a funeral. So, mm-hmm. um, so we did that. And then in the fall, which was probably the more significant ceremony, maybe it's hard to say he had been, uh, you know, gone to West point, which I don't know if you know that what that is.
0: That's like a, yeah. Yeah. But go ahead and say it just in case. I mean, I imagine all the listeners do, but just, yeah,
2: if you want yeah, to, it's,
1: of- a, it's a university in New York and it's a, it's a military school and it's like uh, prestigious and, and he, he yeah. valued that a lot and he really loved that um, connection he'd had with that place. And, and I don't know the ins and outs, but I think if you are an alumni there, you have the option to be buried in the cemetery there. And that was very important to him, so oh yeah, wow, um so we have a a plot in Santa Barbara that is like a um there's nothing there it's a but there's a headstone, yeah, why to, santa Barbara oh, uh, that's where my sisters live, sorry, yeah, and so oh, okay um, yeah. but his ashes would be buried in West Point, and so in October we went wow. there, and that's when they did the full thing, you know what I mean like the yeah. um the twenty one gun salute and the uh flag folding and all that stuff that personally, like I'm not, you know, I have controversial (laughs) feelings about the military and all that stuff. So sure. But I, I guess in those moments you're like this, he's, he would be stoked on this or this is like,
0: that's what he wanted. Special. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He would probably been at those kind of funerals. I mean, right? I mean, by then for sure. Many times. So
1: that was cool. And West Point again, controversial, but is a actual, is a quite beautiful, um, Sure. Location. It's on the Hudson and it's pretty insane. Actually, the 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 property, it's um I don't four know, hundred years old or something. I'm not right. exactly sure the but it's a pretty uh fascinating place. And we so we what stayed there for a couple of days yeah. and oh wow. We got to walk around and we got to uh get um tours of things and um my mother was familiar, my dad would go every year there for the graduation and all that stuff. So
0: oh, okay. anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but, um, no, this is all, this is feels like part of it. You know, it's part yeah, of like uh, in the wake of him dying, the stuff you, I mean, you'd never been there before.
3: Uh, You're right. I mean, that
0: was first time. I had gone there, there actually oh, with okay. him, um, which was a
1: funny moment. I think I was 20 or 19. I don't remember actually what the context was, but he and I went there and I remember hanging out with some of the students there. Yeah. Cadets, I think they call them, uh-huh. and I was um, at UC Santa Cruz at the time. You know, a college student, yeah, and just kind of comparing uh, realities with them. You know, it's obviously gotten a lot less <laughs> yeah. harsh since my dad was there, but it's still. I think you still have to get up at six or whatever, and right, the contrast, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's obviously like I don't think you can party. I don't think you can even leave. I don't know. It's really weird. So. Yeah. I remember that being kind of a funny moment with Mm. these kids, but... uh, Yeah,
0: thinking about, I guess, what I was getting at is that this all matters to me because it feels like maybe in a way the stuff you got present to with his death, you know, it's like stuff you have revisited things about him that like get honored the ways you know him in the world and those things being accented with like the kind of memorial, how we, how we honor our dead in those contexts. Um, And so it it does, it doesn't feel like rambling. It feels like a special part of like the wake of him dying, you know, in the wake of him dying, this is, these are the elements. Cause I'm thinking, Already for you as a musician, how often, you know, in losses before in your life, you say that, you know, there's been other people you've lost, Um, you know, was there music? Uh, were you playing music at all for any of these uh, memorials or funerals? And how does music kind of begin fitting in, if it does at all, in the ways you honor him? You know, yeah. that's was a great even really, like, did you get to play for him? You know, when you when you made it, when you made made it that room. It sounds like it was like such a rush of last minutes, just being with him. So you probably weren't like pulling out a guitar and like, what do yeah. I got five minutes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. And and it's funny because
1: like I was saying before, I think with an older father, I definitely thought about those moments a lot. You know what I mean? And I thought about possibly because he told me to his dad, you know, died, um, quickly, you know, of in his nineties heart attack and Mm. they were able to have those moments, I think those bedside moments. And, um, I guess I always imagined that, you know, I don't want to say
0: the word fantasize, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think we're fed it a little bit too in our culture. You know, it's like these movies where people are like, Oh you had that last incredibly powerful conversation, (laughs) you know? Yeah.
1: And I think in those fantasies, I was playing him like the songs he liked, you know, sort of, he really liked, um, 60s, like like? like, folky stuff like Peter, Paul and Mary and Gordon Lightfoot and, uh, Mm you know, that song, uh, early morning rain. I don't know if you know that song by Gordon mm-hmm. life. He was like one of his mm-hmm. favorite. Obviously that didn't happen. Not only because of, um, timing, but he like, wasn't conscious in it. And right. the thing is, is that it, my mother is, a. Uh, both my parents, I think had, had mixed feelings on my, my choice of career. Uh, Yeah. I I was
0: wondering, that seems like another obvious question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, both, they were both, they're square and they are not musicians. And I don't think that my dad likes music, but I don't think he, um, he's not like super into it. You know what I mean? And it's not a huge part of his life. So, um, when I chose this path, they were both not into it. You know what I mean? And major
0: um, contention. Or just like,
1: uh, all right, w- whatever.
0: Passive <laughs> contention,
1: I think. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in their defense, I, not that they obviously, a person should do whatever they want. Um, it took me a long time to be even remotely successful. You know what I mean? So uh, at age 20, I graduated 22 from Santa Cruz. You know, I'm not a great student, but I get a job teaching and, and I think they think that's fine, you know. Um, what were you teaching? I'm, I'm just, math, I, I, yeah, I was okay. teaching math. And yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, pretty quickly I was like, nah, I want to play music. And, you know, I think they worried from the normal, you know, reasons why parents would worry. And yeah, it would be one thing if I was like, had all this opportunity and promise, but I literally just started driving around the country in my <laughs> Astro van and <laughs> play, and playing that to like,
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Playing to mostly nobody. And, yeah. I think they tried to sort of support that. And when I'd go to Los Angeles and, but again, I was playing to like they'd come out. You mean they'd like, come out. Yeah. Up, and my, yeah, dad, right. my dad thought it was cool. I think, you know, again, I wasn't not to, not to, you know, shit on myself, but I wasn't that good in the beginning. Like I didn't, I don't think I was hitting like a lot of great, uh, songs or mm. moments, but they'd see me in Los Angeles, to, you know, to crowds of 20 or 30 people. And it was, it was underwhelming, I suppose, you know, I was, I was stoked. stoked. I loved it. But yeah. I mean, yeah, they must've cared
0: about that. I mean, in time more and more Yeah. to just undeniably feel from your son, how happy he is doing something yeah. that maybe originally they were like, cause that, cause I feel like that first concern and maybe you're getting at this a little bit is like, that's just going to be hard. You know, yeah, like you're not, yeah. you likely won't succeed and we don't want you to go through that, you know, just, yeah, just teach totally. math. Yeah. You want, you want your kid to, to have a nice life,
1: I guess. Mm-hmm. And the thing is though, that I think that was hard for my parents is that, uh, yeah, I don't, I think fun or like enjoyment was not always their priority. No, and I yeah, think, I'm especially like, my mother, honest. you know, mm. yeah, I think some element of sacrifice mm. and obviously then I chose a life. I still don't, you know, have a wife and children, you know, children mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So it was hard. I think it was just hard for them to relate. So music has always been a weird thing for my family. Now I would play at times for my parents and stuff, you know, but I, my mother is not that in she's just not that into interested in the music or I think it is not something she's into. So
0: it sounds, you've, you've come to terms with that or maybe it never, bothered you. So. yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Now in 2017, I did a run opening for Jack Johnson. I played right like, big rooms. I played like the Santa Barbara bowl. They came to that show. It, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It wasn't yeah, the biggest show we did, but I think it's
0: fucking, you know, cool. 6,000 or whatever. <laughs> I was a parent. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So they stopped bothering me, you know, at that point, Okay, I think, so you know, they had been saying stuff sometimes they would be like encouraging or questioning. Yeah. Yeah. At that point
1: it was clear that I had a job and, you know, luckily with music, I never had to, um, like asked for money. I was never, I mean, the music was good to me in the sense that like it, it kept me going, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't have huge, like, uh, means like bills or things like that. And, Mm -hmm. and so, um, anyway, yeah. So he was pretty chill about it in this fantasy of me playing music for him, you know, my mother wasn't there in the fantasy. It was just him and I, and it was, it was very sweet. Mm. Um, so that didn't happen. So at the ceremonies, no, I, um, I did not, I, I thought not to push that. You know what I mean? You, you, you,
0: um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say you didn't want to, you were like, you were like, I'm, I'd like to, but I'm not going to push it.
1: Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, I did the, uh, the, the the church one felt uh, yeah, not right. like there wasn't like a big space for that. Oh man! Obviously the, the military one. Didn't, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> just
0: like that would be the place I would want to see it more than ever. Right? It's like the, I know the the, the the gun salute, and then everybody John um, wants to play a cordon whitefoot yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had been, I'm also the youngest in the family. I just am a bit more passive when it comes to like family moments, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that memorials and funerals are more for the living than for the dead. I don't
0: know if that's like the most popular or I I mean kind thing to say, but I feel like it's it's an important thing to acknowledge. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. It's I like I said. I I don't not believe that that person is there or the spirit's there, but um, I do think that that's. a huge part of it. And I just was like, I, my mother, whatever, I don't want to make her uncomfortable or weird or whatever. She, if she would have asked me to, I would have done. Absolutely. The only, the only thing that I can say is that we did have a gathering of my father's children. And he had a lot of children throughout different, we had one ceremony in my sister's backyard. That was more of a, I don't know what you call it. A memorial, I guess it was very casual, but my sister gathered us all there and we shared stories and, I did play, um, cause the older kids liked, like that. So yeah. I played like sounds of silence. I'm sure I played early morning rain. I think I might've played like, um, uh, something, you know, mm-hmm. blown in the wind. I don't know. So yeah. that was nice, but it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't need that personally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I have a job where I do this every sure, night. Right. There's that so, part.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So maybe to answer your second question was I writing stuff I was, you know, of course. And what happened was right away I composed a piece that was just too blunt I think, you know. And it was not subtle at all. And I just thought, man, this is not <laughs> very artistic, you know. And it wasn't like it was super sad or super um it had it had humor in it, yeah, you know, it had a lot of sure. things, but but it mentioned that thing I was telling you about with my mother's pain in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it, it was very specific about that moment. And I thought this isn't me and this, I don't want to do this on stage. So I, I shelved that one mm-hmm. and what I have a record coming out in January next in January 12th. And, um, you'll, you can hear a lot more of the subtlety uh, on that record in, of, in, um, mm-hmm. Multiple, songs, Multiple yeah. songs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah.
1: There's also were songs that my father had liked or had been inspired by him, you know, while he was alive that I, uh, was able to, um, in the following tours, like acknowledge him, tell stories about him, oh, you would honor him in, in that That's way. Cool, yeah. Man. Yeah. I have a song about an astronaut that he was friends with. Michael Collins is his name. And, um, that he very much inspired me to write the song and sort of helped me with. And he thought that was cool. So I was able to play that song, you know, a lot and tell stories and I honor him in that way. I guess, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I am a private person with my grief to a certain extent and I don't use my show as a way to, um, uh, I want it to feel more inclusive and more, um, uh, I don't know professional if that's mm-hmm. if that's a word, but uh, but I want the audience. To, I want, like you were talking about. I want to be honest with them, and it's important that they know what's going on with me.
0: Hey everybody, a quick moment, like usual. To well, I first not like usual to welcome you. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to the new year. I want to welcome you to a new stage of life. What stage are you going into? Um I'm going into a new stage. No idea what it is, but hey, something about being in the questions, the question marks. Feeling that lady. Uh, lady, feeling that lady. Oh man, don't don't edit that out and make a soundbite, an offensive soundbite. Um feeling that feeling that lately what are these question marks? What's ahead? Anyway, talking a lot about that in terms of how my feeling that way might influence a podcast like the one you're listening to. But I digress, there are things you can count on like me here as usual saying, thank you so much for listening and here are some ways you can support what we're up to with your going to die the podcast. For example, rate and review the show. We're seeing your words and your stars coming through, especially Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. We so appreciate the acknowledgement, and it makes our podcast more visible not just for new listeners, but also guests who are considering being on the show. It matters. Come on now. And then the other big thing to say and encourage you to do in a way that really matters now, if you want to get these episodes a week early, then become a patron on patreon.com forward slash YG2D. Go to Your Going to Die's Patreon account. We've got a link in the show notes and become a patron now. It's the best way to support us and get more back than you already are getting from this free offering for as little as $2. And we got people on there, by the way, shout out to those of you giving $50 a month. That's real. Please give as much as you're able. Thank you so much. And we're so glad to come into this new stage of the podcast, the the new part of history for this show where we're really definitively acknowledging our patrons through patreon for their support ongoing so thank you so much for those of you that are already patrons and this is a moment while you listen a little bit or are held i guess well by producer nick jana's music to go click on the patreon link in our show notes and become a patron now Oh, and P.S., one other perk you'll get by becoming a patron on Patreon is not having to listen to me badger you incessantly to support our show, because you already will be by becoming a patron. When you listen on Patreon, you get no ads and no badgering.
1: isn't it funny how we equate, uh, success or fullness with time, you Mm -hmm. know, like time and more days, um, it, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a funny thing to, you know, because obviously I was sad. My mother was very sad. My sisters were sad. And I noticed this thing would happen when you would tell someone or they'd find out, Oh my God, your dad died. That's, that is considered very sad and potentially tragic, depending on when. But then when I would mention the age, (laughs) you know, you could see someone be like, oh, well, you know. (laughs) Yeah, because he was, my dad was always, yeah, no, it's okay. And and it didn't bother me. Okay, My dad has always been grandparent age. You know what I mean? When I was a little kid, people would, he'd come pick me up for soccer practice and someone would say, your grandpa's here, you know. It didn't bother me at all. I was stoked. He was a good dad. It was, I was stoked to have him, but I was aware of that, you know, and I was aware that, um, my friend's dads were not 50 years older, yeah. more like 25 or 30, you know?
0: And, um, I don't think you had a problem with it, but you feel the like different, like somehow that translated to you being different too at all. Do you feel any of that from being a kid? Um, well there's many factors that come in with that, you know, having sure. an older dad,
1: one being the reality of like, every time my dad got sick or whatever, I'd be like, Oh shit. Now is this, is it now? Yeah. You know? And, uh, Two, the other thing that is we don't need to get super into because it's a whole nother conversation. But, um, I do think that sometimes we will compare our, uh, like our life paths to our parents. And so specifically having children, you know? Mm-hmm. And so because my dad had me at 50, I think I've all, it's always been in the, like, I've always felt young, you know what I mean? In the sense of like, yeah. Whereas I remember one time I was dating this woman, her mother had had her at like 21 or something, you know, and maybe, maybe we connect more with the, with the same gender parent. But so she, you know, we were like in our late twenties and she was like, I need to have a kid now, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm such an old maid. And I was like, oh my God, I've got like 30 years <laughs> left. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, you know, so that is another aspect of you can't, I can't help but do that and be like, what was my dad doing at 43? Mm -hmm. Well, he hadn't even had my older sister, you know what I mean? And so, um, there's, there's those things. There was also other parts of it that weren't as fun, just like huge generational gaps, you know? So trying to have conversations with my dad sometimes about, I don't know that, you know, just like what was, I mean, my, he was a cool TikTok. person and quite liberal for <laughs> yeah. someone that age. Yeah. But you know, there were just times oh, I, yeah. I remember oh. like talking to mm-hmm. him about like my sister, you know, moved in with her boyfriend before marriage or something like that. Yeah, right. My dad just really having a hard time with that as a father probably, mm-hmm. but also from a societal standpoint and me trying to be like, you know, that's not that weird. Yeah. Right. You know, Anymore. but, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we would have talks about that. And like I said, he was pretty progressive for that age, mm-hmm. but th- those are some things that were significant yeah. to deal with you.
0: Well, I, I kind of cut you off cause you were sort of heading in the direction and maybe you completed that other thought. I appreciate this part cause it's another thread I might, I want to pull on. Um, but to go back to what you were, you were kind of articulating was, um, was there more to say out of him being older and dying at 91? You said, and having people be like, Oh, okay. Was there more to add to that? That's kind of when I cut in on the,
1: well, I mean, it's funny because how do we take that as people? You know, like what, is that comforting to me? Maybe, you know, it's funny how that, I mean, it's, that's just how we are. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make it okay. No. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, I was thinking that with um, your mom, it's
0: like the more years, yeah. the more
1: you're like, you're here for good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the thing for me was always like, um, and there's an, there's a song on the new record that's kind of like this is, is a month before he passed away, he had to go to the hospital for something else. I can't remember what it was. And he was, um, uh, some sort of fluid. He wasn't in his right mindset. And he, um, called me, it was really weird. And, uh, my mother thinks he just, um, the fluid or something had, but anyway, he was really upset to be in that hospital. He did not want to be there and no one was like letting him leave. And anyway, um, his dad had died of a heart attack, like fast, you know, his dad had been doing fine had a heart attack and, or would it, I forget what you call it, but heart attack essentially like went, drove himself to the hospital this Is my grandfather, like called all his lawyers and he was like, get all my stuff in order, said bye to like had his two, my dad and my dad's wow. sister showed up all professional, you know, my grandfather was a general, you know, and, and three-star general and, and then just like, you know, signed off, you know, and <laughs> my dad
0: really admired that. Yeah, really Totally. I'm sure that. he talked a lot about it. Yeah.
1: And the funny thing about death for us as the non dire, as the, as the, uh, loved one is that it's tricky because on one hand, the quick death is better for that person potentially. Um, and I remember sort of being happy that my dad didn't have to go through all the vegetable stuff, you know, whatever grateful. My mother didn't have to go Mm -hmm. through whatever that is, but Also, we didn't get our little like bedside thing. We didn't get our, so, you know, um, all age aside, uh, that was also something I tried to, um, I just thought about, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I was, I know he would have probably liked it to be exactly like his dad where he had the sometime. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunate that, um, he didn't have that, but I also know he would have hated to be, um, in some slower process. And I felt that in his voice on that phone call from the hospital that yeah. he started, he started to kind of see, is this what's happening? Yeah. You know, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, and then I think about that for myself too, for all of you know, mm-hmm. for all of us, it's interesting, you know, but back to what you're saying about the age, uh, I think we, it can't, we live in this society. It can't help but make us feel okay because we compare it to the norm. Right. Uh, And the normal thing of like this, well, first of all, death is going to happen. You know, it's, it's a guarantee. (laughs) And, um, we just want someone to not suffer and obviously to live like the good full (laughs) life. (laughs) And obviously full life can, you know, you can have arguments of that. This person lived 90 years, but didn't actually live because mm-hmm. they didn't do anything. And this person lived 20 years, but they did everything. That's all good. Um, so uh, there is no concern for any of us that he didn't have a full life or whatever, obviously. And, yeah. And it'd um, and, and be happy with his life. Right. To be like, yeah, oh, oh for sure. Yeah, and right. he was, but sometimes that makes it sadder because he was really stoked, you know, um, partially because he wasn't, like, uh, in pain, you know, mm-hmm. he had, he liked my mom and him were both, uh, retired. They, they had a good yeah, marriage, a you know, they ap- were still
0: suffering health stuff. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. My
1: mm-hmm. sister has two kids, so he's a grandpa, you know, and he got to hang with them and, um, he, uh, was pretty comfortable mm-hmm. there in Los Angeles. And so, um, Anyway, I, I feel like I'm dancing around a couple different topics, yeah, I'm throwing yeah, a, uh, a lot at you. No, it's okay. <laughs> but the age thing is I think about that a lot. It's a funny thing, you know, yeah. the last thing I'll say about, and this is an obvious thing to say, but the grandparents die, you know, that happened. All my grandparents are dead. They died when I was younger. Cause of course with an older parent comes older grandparents. That was sad, you know, but it's grandparents. So you, you get over yeah, it pretty yeah. quick. The parent dies. Now I'm a little young, maybe mm-hmm. for a parent dying. It's, you know, it's, that's debatable. Um, but, uh, when the parent dies, it's a weird trip on you because there. that's kind of like this line of mortality, right. Yeah. Or immortality, because everyone knows you're probably going to outlive your grandparents. That's a good thing, right? It's even a good thing to outlive your parents, mm-hmm.
0: you know? Um, You don't want to maybe, but you're going to. I mean, you, maybe you want, you, you wouldn't want your parent to be left behind, you know, like, you know, that's the thing is like, yeah, you want them as long as possible. And, and yeah, I think that's important to note is like, I, 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 my kids wouldn't want to die while I'm alive. You know, like that's such a specific grief. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: But there's some sort of chronological procession with death, but when the parent dies, then you're like, oh, I'm next. Like they were almost like this barrier between you and, and mortality. Dad goes down. All of a sudden, Grim Reaper has a clear shot, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at you and that's fine. You know, that's okay. (laughs) It's
0: the the order. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I don't think I considered that until after the dust sort of settled. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, the other thing that's weird about, you know, a death, you know, that I, I think, um, I haven't been as close to, like I said, people have died in my life, but, um, this is the closest one is you sort of watch everyone. I mean, life goes on, right? People are move on in their own, Mm -hmm. in their own way. And that's a, that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. That's okay. But, um, obviously at different paces. So it's interesting to see me and my sisters Mm -hmm. go through it. My mother go through Mm -hmm. it, you know, and, um, obviously then the, it sort of ripples out. Right. And, um, I remember like at the hospital, which I guess that was the first time. Yeah. That was the first time I'd been in a hospital when someone died, you know, and, um, you know, we're just in the room. It was in Los Angeles. And, and, uh, uh, I can just remember once like this sort of, um, chaos or the shock, you know, sort of simmered down and I started hearing the other sounds of the hospital. You know, I hear, you hear laughing, you know, you hear nurses, um, talking to each other. You hear the normalness. And then at some point the nurse comes in and it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you know about this more than me. I don't, this is my first time. Um, you know, then it's time. The nurse is like, what do you want to do? You know? And, um, and, uh, my sister is a nurse. so she, It was nice to have her there. She kind of helped, but I think for my mom, it was tough, yeah. you know, you gotta go. Um, mm-hmm. and my mom's not a, uh, she's a very, uh, grounded person, I guess. So it's not like she was, she wasn't like wailing and holding on to the bot, you know, but she was a little mm-hmm. bit, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, she, um, my father had uh, his hair, <laughs> you know, he had all his hair, which was cool. She liked his hair. I didn't know that, you know, but she asked them if she could cut off a, a piece, you know, which was very unlike my mother, you know, and they'd let her and it was an interesting moment. Um, and again, heartbreaking for me at that time. Cause I hadn't seen that. Um, but eventually I don't remember how long, uh, but eventually we had left, you know, we had to right. go and, um, And, uh, that's where I did. That was it. Obviously I wasn't going to see him again and we weren't going to do the, uh, casket thing or whatever, you know, he was cremated in, um, which was, which was okay for me because I was, uh, I didn't, didn't need to, I mean, I was able to at least acknowledge this, the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, uh, I didn't, I forgot, I guess I didn't consider that part of it. Yeah is that from that moment, that moment on, yeah. Right. Everyone's moving wow. on. Right. At varying degrees. Right. That nurse was like, <laughs> the nurse is fine. She sees it all day. Right. She was, I'm not oh, saying she wasn't No, sympathetic, I know. I know.
0: Yeah. But there is a we part, gotta part of me, the room I think, out. you know, we got to get another yeah, patient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: again, it's like make way for the living, I guess, you know, and I get or that the potentially living. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And just, I would watch that ripple. You know, my therapist always says that the moment something gets cut, the healing begins. You know what I mean? Like you don't know that, but like the platelets are going there and the scar tissue is beginning. And, um, and I think about that a lot, obviously Mm. whenever I'm in, whenever a pain Mm. happens and, um, but it was weird to watch. And then of course, my mother's going to have it the hardest, you know, yeah. because I eventually I stayed there for a little bit, but then I flew back mm-hmm. to Portland and my life, obviously my life just went on. You know, it's not like uh, because I'm not a child, you know, it didn't um, it didn't have like an immense physical effect on my life, It's yeah. passing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, one of my sisters, she was just she visited them more. Mm-hmm. You know, she just has. Yeah. So you could tell it was harder for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course for my mother when yeah. it's like the physical, so it was, it's, it, it is interesting for me to watch that sort of, um, that mm-hmm. play out, you know, sort of the like staggered yeah. healing and the staggered, uh, um, I don't know, you know, I don't getting over is a weird world word, but you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? The moving like,
0: forward, uh, I feel like the carrying on and yeah, what, how, what you're doing, processing that, accepting it, still grieving it. Yeah. Um, all those things. <clears throat> First of all, I want to say, Um, you know, when I, when I'm crying, listening to you tell that story, it's not because like I've been with a ton of hospice patients and cancer patients and with the dying, it's because like that, when my mom dying, you know, in 2003, that's what you described, right? Is that moment when it's like, oh, you know, it's just over. And yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I meant to ask sorry I've been talking about myself so much. I was gonna ask you, but are your parents my mom are your parents around? uh my mom died? My dad's still alive. My mom my mom died though in two thousand and three. Okay. And that's like for wow. sure the through line from me sitting here with you back to that death. There's it's strong, you know. Yeah. And She was probably how old was she then? She would have been sixty three. Yeah. And she'd had cancer for 13 years up till that point, you know, I was 26 when she died and, you know, remission and <laughs> wow. stretches of chemo and hair loss and just kind of the, all that stuff through half my life up to that point. Um, and it was similarly very quick, uh, to, you know, my mom went in the hospital, uh, The day after Thanksgiving, that whole week was, was a real decline, rapid decline at our, at our, at our apartment. And my sister and I were there for Thanksgiving. She made it to her favorite holiday. And then, um, the next day, uh, and by made it, I mean like she was in her bed. She was not eating Thanksgiving dinner with us. She just was still alive. Um, and then, uh, the next day when it sort of dawned on us, really probably because we called the hospital and they said, based on what we were sharing, we're sending like uh ambulance. That's when it was like real. Cause up till that Oof. point for many years, there'd be these times where it's like, oh, you're sick. I mean, maybe like you felt with your dad where it's like, oh, you're sick. Oh, but then you, you get better, you know, like you, you got through it or it was bad and you were yeah. really weak and tired or their treatment or the surgery did this much to your body and, And now you're good again. You know, I'd live with her for a year right before that, uh, because she got really ill and it was possible that she was going to die. And then she got better and I moved back down to LA. Um, So there was that moment that day when it was just very clear what was going on because the ambulance came and took her to the hospital and she died within just a few hours. But listening to you describe that moment with your dad and your mom, it's just that, you know, it's like my tears are just from that. And and remembering the moving on, you know, and how recently here in the Bay Area, we lost a a leader in our community and uh, they did the three day vigil. You know, where the body's there for, for three days and you can oh, go and visit yes. and there's people potlucking and playing music and you know, yeah. and really feeling part of my tears is the the rush of that moment, you know, and the I, I actually ended up getting yeah. to see her body, be with her body at the funeral home before she was cremated. Um, okay, but anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that the tears really were like you describing something that feels just so familiar to me and at that young age too, just like yeah. rocked me. And and I wonder about that sort of where I wanted to go next is that th- you've been sharing these versions of like the moment, you know, the moment with your mom in the hospital. It's like, I have those moments, right? I have the, the, the I wanted to ask specifically yeah. about your dad calling you from the hospital, someone who yeah. represented like a strong man in the world who, you know, took care of shit. I mean, like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but like feeling him as that kind of energy, having the parent moment where someone reaches out in need, like a kid, you know, and I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's the right wording. I think maybe more per- no, 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 yeah, vulnerably reached out to you, you know, yeah, I wonder of course, if that's yeah. what it felt like.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was a weird thing and it was cause it was not in his normal voice yeah. and, um, I don't know actually what logically was happening Mm -hmm. there. You know, I don't, my mother's not a doctor. She thinks that yeah, the brain with the fluid and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, it also there, I mean it was him in the sense that I could feel in him this notion of, um, you know, is this going to be it? You know, is this, uh, am I stuck in here? Am I not going to be able to have, uh, and what they tell me, you know, when he was taken to the, he was having trouble breathing. And when he was taken to the hospital, uh, the last time where he eventually died, my sister and mom tell me he didn't, he was telling them not to call paramedics, you know, and my my mom thinks it's because he knew that that was Mm going to happen. And maybe, and I understand Mm -hmm. that, you know, and,
0: um, I mean, I, so, feel that uh, I feel that way any yeah. time I'm admitted to the hospital, uh, especially, you know, after the experiences I've shared, like the ones we're describing, but, um, but yeah, so he just knew, you know, like pr- if he go in there, it, it could be that he wouldn't come out. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: maybe, maybe he would have been rather just died on that, on his mm-hmm. living room floor. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, maybe, um, maybe it was some sort of weird thing where like, well, I can't, if I don't, I can't die if I don't go to the hospital. You know, I don't know. I don't know what was going on through his mind. Of course. You know, what I think about sometimes back just real quick back to the age thing and how everyone sort of signs off at 91. I don't know, but I also got the notion that like his doctors obviously weren't 91 and you know, I wondered sometimes some things the doctors were saying, or Mm -hmm. I I, I guess I worry that if I make it to my (laughs) nineties, yeah, That there's going to be, you know how like you you've ever brought a car into a a dealer, yeah, and you're like ah, you know, fucking, it's not working, and they're like, yeah, yeah, the (laughs) mechanic's like, just let it go, like, dude, I'm not working on this car, Uh, stupid, you know what I mean? And I I worry about that, like, if I'm a '92, and I'm like, ah, help me with this or whatever, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, and. Part of me wants there to be 91 year old doctors yeah, right, because right. I don't know if when I'm 91, if I'm going to be like, I love a full life. I mean, you mm-hmm. hear these stories of grandmas and stuff who are like, I'm good. Yeah. T- like I'm out. You know, everyone loves those totally. stories. Don't yeah. they? Our society loves uh-huh. a good story of
0: an old person being like, <laughs> kill me now. Us. Yeah. Yeah. My life yeah. is complete. We love that for some well, reason. I mean, we want that. probably cause we, you know, right. Yeah. We want, we, we want, want to someone
1: to this and Yeah. You know. But uh, my dad was not that, yeah. you know, he wasn't like, take me now. Probably because again, he didn't, he was happy and healthy and mm. things were chill, you know. And, um, when I, if I get to 91, I don't know. I mean, especially if I can Good still catch. play guitar. Yeah. If, you know, it's gonna be,
0: when I get, if I get to 91. <laughs> if I, if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so that part, that part is interesting mm-hmm. to me. And
0: the, I don't know. I mean,
1: it's a weird thing. I don't know if um, Is it ever enough You know what I mean Are we ever uh, I don't know how you get to that point I sing a pagan
3: song In a pagan church, and they left me here for dead. I can't wait much longer. If I could only will myself. From my bed out to the dirt I sing the pagan song Out in the pagan church And my brother left his pistol the glove box of his car Then he parked it out in front Then he left the doors unlocked No one I got here I felt invisible I pointed to the sky boy Under my chin, so no one else gets hurt Sing the pagan song, out right in the painted chase. Feel good to kill what's killing me. Oh, I never understood this cancer strategy. We're going down.
0: What you just heard is the track, title track, Pagan Church, off John Craigie's uh, new album that came out the day after this episode was available on Patreon. If you're listening to this, general listeners out there in the world through Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the album is out. Go to the links in the show notes. Go to Uh All the links are in the show notes. We have a couple special guests uh, here in the closing. We have one, your usual favorite producer, Nick Jana. Nick Jana, how are you? Is the other one a rooster? Did you want to introduce?
2: <laughs> is it yeah. only one rooster? No, uh, there's several roosters. Uh, and they encourage each other that uh, doing making their sound is a good idea. And then yeah. the other ones do it, and they're like, check out what I got. And it's funny because it's the exact same. <laughs> or it sounds to me like the exact same call. But they yeah. do it so impassionately and, and, mm. and impassioned and... Um, mm-hmm put their they've just put their all into it and it's it's inspiring honestly well we're glad to
0: have them as a couple of co-hosts on show shouting out at each other a little more like aggressive uh you know puffing your breast energy uh coming into the show it's a good contrast to you and i just crying together at the end of episode every 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 episode uh where are you nick why are you with roosters
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i know do you want to tell the listeners I'm in Puerto Escondido, Mexico, uh, on the coast here, and um, you know, just on a little trip. And uh, this town has a lot of roosters, a lot of stray dogs, uh, which are I love seeing them because they they walk with such purpose. It's like they've got somewhere to go. Hmm. And um, I saw one like uh, digging through the garbage, and he found this uh, full a used diaper. And it looked like he oh. just like found the grand prize. And he looked at, I looked at me just like, are you going to stop me from doing this? And I was like, <laughs> is this okay? Go for it, dude. <laughs> wow. Have fun. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, I know, you know, John Craigie and, and there's stuff that we, we discussed already, maybe, uh, talking about together here, but I want to ask you something. I suddenly, suddenly wonder, uh, if you could speak to, and that is, is what's grief like, there, What's like, especially grief, but like death would be one of my questions too, or a version of that question. And I guess that I know because you're traveling and you're traveling while traveling, like you've been in Mexico at a specific spot for a while. And this is sort of a, a trip away from that. But I, and so I want to acknowledge like what it's like. For us as humans, when we get to go on a trip, there's ways we escape what we 're dealing with, or we face maybe more what we 're dealing with i don 't know, and I wonder culturally what it 's like, like if there 's an energy to the place
2: that ha- holds your grief differently, or i don 't know whatever whatever you can speak to around that. This is perfect timing. This truck is coming down the street shouting about a <laughs> uh, mystery haunted tent. <laughs> Is is that what it's saying? Like, why would it say that? Why why is it yelling about that? <laughs> well, it wants you to come inside. Oh, is it a traveling tower. tent? <laughs> no, no. The tent is stationary, but they're in a truck with a speaker, and they're trying wow. to get people to come to the tent. Uh, have yeah. you been there yet, Nick? Uh, I have not. It's called the Pendulum of Death. and um, Oh, my God. Perfect timing. You're right. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not, it's not like I'm scared of it. I'm scared that it will be cheesy. I think, you know, one of those things, like, I don't know if you've ever been to the thing in the desert, like in Eastern Arizona and you go to this gas station and there's a museum and you walk through the halls and then there's like an alien corpse. And um, the last time I went there, they had recently put like a couple million dollars into it to, to make it better. Wow. Um, (laughs) And it still leads up to an alien corpse. And you're like, well, Either that's an alien corpse or it's like styrofoam <laughs> painted black. I don't know, but <laughs> I can't do any forensic. You know, you know, for sure they put millions of dollars. That's into this what the thing. woman said. She said recently, had wow. a million, millions of dollars investment, you know, anyway, wow. I think this is similar to that without the millions of dollars investment. And so like, I'm skeptical that it's going to be, uh, it, it's not, I'm skeptical. It'll be a pendulum of death.
0: i mean at this point i feel like you're gonna have to go buddy you're just gonna have to go find out and let and let us know (laughs) in a future episode okay so uh this is a little taste of what death is like uh, culturally (laughs) um (laughs) okay all right what about yeah what about grief what about grief where you are well i did
2: during travels or in i got to do one of my tea services here which is all about Mm. grief processing and I did it in Spanish because I have a Spanish translation of my book. And it was at the house that I was staying and and they invited people and we did the the table and the tea and the the colored light bulbs and everything. And as you know, you came to one of these. Um, the beginning part is like asking people, uh, I know in your session, we were talking about like experiences in nature. Um, often it's about ancestors I'm asking about or, you know, times we've been close to death. So in this session I asked about ancestors and in all the previous sessions, I've done about a hundred of these, uh, in the States, it's usually, I can kind of set my watch to it's about 15 minutes of this talk around a table with like eight people. Not everyone shares people who do share, share for a minute or two. Uh, somebody shares a little longer, there's a little back and forth and then it dies down and then I start my reading. And so like, it's very reliably 15 minutes here in Mexico, it lasted ninety minutes, <laughs> just that part, just the part of people sharing. Everybody had a very long narrative. It involved like uh, mm. assassination attempts and uh, revolutionaries, and like, like it was it was so like gripping and, oh and involved. Gosh. And every single person talked, <laughs> yeah. and they all had something to say. And then after that was done, a couple of the people were like, "Oh, I didn't do it right. I, I, now I want to say more." <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's just one experience but you know it was like eight times longer than any other time when I've asked you know I mean you have this experience too of like at, yeah. opening up the table for random people to talk about grief and yeah, I, I've literally heard from some people in the states like oh I've never thought about my ancestors or I've oh never, nobody's ever asked me that or I don't know if this is okay to talk about It it just felt like there was a different you know, permission felt here of just like, yeah. of course, I'm going to talk about ex ancestors and all these people and stuff. Yeah. Uh,
0: do you feel like that's backed by like an inclination for storytelling in that culture, or some kind of connection to our dead more, which that seems like already what you're acknowledging, um, or like a, a really a willing. Uh, a a strong willingness to like use language to connect and, and, and offer ourselves to one another, maybe all these things.
2: I I would characterize it as family based, which sounds kind of bland, but um, I mean that really sincerely. Like there is a Mm -hmm. deeper commitment to family, even though I was staying at this house, I know them, I know the family well. And we were just talking about like, what do you normally do for Christmas? And just very soberly, very seriously, my friend was like, we spend Christmas with family. And you're, you're our family. So we're spending it with you (laughs) and, and and new year's too, which, you know, like Christmas is more common in the States, but new year's was like, new year's is a day for the family and we're spending it with the family. And that means you, (laughs) yeah. And then I was, I was talking with uh, another uh, Mexican friend about that and about the holidays and stuff. And he referred to Mexico as grandmother culture, which I love that phrase. I don't know if he just said that, or if that's a common way of expressing it of Mm -hmm. like, a culture centered around grandmothers. And Mm -hmm. you can just imagine all the things that emanate from that of like what you have in mind as like your conscience, conscience, like the voice in your head, like what you're like checking in with, even if it's not literally a grandmother that's living, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's centered around that of just a very family-focused culture that then whether you're living or or past, um, it's, it's right at right there for you to talk about. And it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the, the um. banging. I think the pendulum the <laughs> of is no, trying to get It
0: is. It is now traveling. <laughs> yeah, they're bringing it to you. Uh, yeah, it is. It is very loud over there, but I love it. I love the depth, <laughs> the depth of where you are through the audio experience. Um, okay, great. Loved all that. And I think my question really was very specific, uh, specifically, getting after like how is your grief then held in that context how is it felt how is it different
2: do you notice anything about that so uh, communicating with my friend andre when i was coming down here he's mexican and i said yeah i'm coming down and you know it's been a hard time and it's gonna be the holidays it's hard and he said uh well we'll be here with an an abrazo which means hug and then he Mm -hmm. added after that he's like I think abrazo means more than hug. (laughs) There's something about the word here that means more. And in the month in Mexico City, when I was there, I really felt it like standing at this supermarket checkout, waiting for someone to come through. Just a very casual arm around the shoulder. That doesn't mean anything more than just, you're my friend and I love you. And with long, deep friends and family in the States, I've rarely felt that ease mm-hmm. of a hug and physical touch. And just like, like I'm with you, you know? And mm-hmm. I, so I felt that more than anything has been helpful and more than words or advice or anything else, just an arm around your shoulder is kind of the best thing for grief, you know? Mm. Thanks for sharing all that, Nick.
0: I'm glad you're there. I feel like every time we talk about where you are, because we have you know before recording this, uh, it's both like kind of what I need and makes me emotional, and like and there's some envy, <laughs> you know, of of desiring more of that. Um, and and I I think you've like helped me anticipate this trip coming up for me to Guatemala, um, in a way. Excited about it for different reasons than a usual trip. Like I, I know there will be some very cool things I get to do while I'm there for five days or so. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I think what likely will be some of what you've described energetically or in community, in family, the spaciousness, the way time moves, um, and really deeply desiring that right now, and deeply needing a shift, uh, right now from what has been and, and what has been has worked. And I don't mean to say like once I did yesterday talking about what's, how it's been is not working for me anymore. It's actually not true. And there's, and there's like a deep desire for, for a shift, um, in me that I'm, paying attention for. I don't even know exactly what it looks like, but I think it connects to so much of what you've shared about your trip, um, with me and, and so much of what you shared today. So thanks for that. feels important. Yeah. I'm glad you're there and I'm glad you're all here listening. Thank you so much again, John Craigie. Again, go to John's website, all the links in the show notes. Welcome back, everybody. This is not a happy new year. I'm, I'm actually purposely not saying that. Uh, what I want to say is this is a prayer to you for as good a one as possible, as good a new year as possible for me, for you, Nick, for all our listeners. It feels nice to get back to this. We took a good chunk of time off and we are recommitted now to a new schedule for how we're releasing episodes. We are reconmitted to our Patreon community. A reminder now, here at the end of the episode again, if you want to get these episodes a week early, become a patron at patreon.com. You can just go there and pay as little as $2 a month, and you'll have episodes a week before everybody else. And I want to thank all our patrons for sticking it out with us for so long and supporting us in the way they have. It really led to this moment of how do we acknowledge better than we have that you have been there for us, contributing every month to help us do this podcast. So thank you. And we really hope to grow that community and offer more gifts and acknowledgements in that context. So please become a patron if you aren't already at patreon.com. And of course, review, rate, share the show. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be in your ear soon, like maybe in a week. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Bye-bye, everybody.